gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. I'm Colleen Sharp, and my co-host is Rachel Miller, and... Today we're going to be starting not really a new series. We're going to probably be doing some different topics that we've had um, in our list of topics that we've wanted to talk about. And this this one comes from people requesting that we discuss this, and that's on the topic of grief. Rachel, I was talking to a, another reform podcast friend of mine, and I said, I don't know, maybe I... I shouldn't talk about this so close to my father's death. And he said, no, I think this is actually when you should talk about it. So to, th- to think about that a little bit since my dad's death is still a little bit fresh. But I think probably because of going through that, I can speak to some of that. One of the things I think about with grief is that we can grieve lots of things. I think we think of it uh, mostly with losing someone to death. But you can grieve the loss. Absolutely. Um, you can grieve the loss of a relationship, a loss of a friendship. Um, you can grieve the, the loss of circumstances when things change in your life. I was thinking you know, that this is a very timely um, topic when you think about the things that are going on around us in our world. There's a lot of grief and a lot of grieving going on around us. And, you know, I think it's appropriate when we think about you know, we live in a world that is um, that is fallen, right? That we are sinners, but the world itself also um, bears the weight of sin because of the fall. And you know, Scripture says that it that the world grieves, right? That we grieve, and we grieve because of sin and death and separation and pain and suffering and you know, hatred and all the things that are around us and part of our lives. And I think that grief is very, a very much needed topic that is not addressed nearly as often as it should be. I'm glad you brought up grieving 
you know, a change in circumstances and thinking about everything that's going on. There's a lot of people who have lost jobs, um, who've uh, maybe lost pay, different things like that. And their circumstances are changing. And that that is sad. It is um, it is something to grieve. And it's okay to grieve those those things. I I was thinking about when we I told my husband I'll move anywhere but Denver but that's where he got transferred. So of course I did followed him. And, but it was very difficult for me to move because we were moving to an area where we had no family and we had been in an area where we had family, where we had this great church, where I had lots of friends. Uh, and it would, I did go through kind of a, a time of grieving my old circumstances and learning to accept my new circumstances. I think it's like that with grief in in everything. Even when you lose somebody that you love, you know, there's a change. There's an adjustment period when you don't have them in your life anymore. So I, I often like to look at the definitions of things because there's a lot of words we say. And I, I'd like to, and I looked um, both in the regular dictionary and the Bible dictionary. So I'll do the the uh, regular dictionary talks about grief. It says deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. Um, I would probably even say especially caused by loss, because that can encompass many things. Or a deep and poignant distress caused by or as if by bereavement is a cause of, of suffering. So, Scripture does talk about talk about grief. It is a word we find in Scripture. Maybe you can uh, talk about the Bible definitions. So there are 20 Hebrew words that the uh, King James translates as grief or grieving or to be grieved. Uh, some of the words express a sense of weakness or sickness or pain. You see it in Isaiah 53, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, or he has borne our griefs. Uh, in the New Testament, you have grief or grieving. They're less frequent. Uh, the most common word is found in 1 Peter 2, 19, where it talks about sorrow or grief. Uh, you see it as affliction in Mark or sorrowfulness uh, or sorrowful. Uh, so there's different ways that the word shows up, but the concept's still there. I think it's interesting that it's more commonly seen in the Old Testament. That is. <laughs> when you think about so much of the, the Old Testament prophets, and how much there's a sense of grieving, and it's grief over sin. It's grief over um, the separation with God and, and having failed. Right? There's there's so many different ways that the prophets are grieving what's happening to Jerusalem and what's happening to Israel and Judah as a result of sin and the punishment that's coming. Um, it's I love the biblical picture of grief, which is the you know, the tearing of the garments and sackcloth and ashes and, and sitting in grief. Um, it's a very uh, a very poignant picture of what it means to grieve. Yeah, in the because a lot of my family is Jewish, I mean they in the in the Jewish faith, they take this very, very serious, this time of grief, and so they call it sitting Shiva. And so you have a week where the mirrors are covered. You don't concern yourself with your appearance and things like that. And, um, you know, I don't, my family doesn't literally tear their clothes, but, um, 
there there is that still that picture you don't listen to music i mean that's they this is their period that is devoted to grieving and one of the things you know we talked about this on our episode with with darby because darby lost her mom and then her sister in a very very short time and she talked about the tendency to say oh, you just need to trust God, all is fine, he is sovereign. Those things are true, but it's almost portrayed like grieving is wrong. And grieving is not a sin. It is okay to grieve. We, we should not sin in our grief, but um, losing someone is sad. We should grieve that. We, like you said, we grieve that, we grieve sin, you know, the, the effects of sin. These are sad things. The biggest pictures you know jesus wept he grieved but also in ecclesiastes 3 and it's good to go and read that passage in fact that passage is often um it was on the bulletin at my mother-in-law's funeral um but there is a time for it there is a a time to mourn Uh, you see it too and i think we've talked about it on another episode that you know jesus wept right jesus wept at when his friend lazarus died and he wept seeing the sorrow of his friends losing their brother. And he knew that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew exactly what was coming. And he wept. Uh, but you see it too. You know, Jesus grieved over Jerusalem and that the people had turned away from him. Right? He grieved. Um, I think you'd say he grieved in the garden over, um, over sin and death. And his coming, what he was facing with, um, with his own death, and again, knowing the end, knowing that resurrection is coming, you know. So there is absolutely a time for grief and a time to be grieved. And I think too often, and in, you know, you talked about culturally within the Jewish community, in the American community, and you know, a lot of the, you know, Western European background that many of us come from as Americans. There's the the sense of, you know, stoicism and, you know, the stiff upper lip and you don't show emotion and you don't show that things get to you and we have to be, you know, above emotional displays of like such as grief. And that's not at all biblical. It's not a, a Christian way to respond to sorrow and sadness. And scripture tells us to weep with those who weep. You know, it, we are supposed to, to see things that are not right and be grieved by them. I'm glad you brought up the weeping with those who weep because that's, that's one way that we show empathy is to grieve with, with those that are grieving. And, you know, I know that in my own life, I've, I've lost a lot of people in the last several years, uh, I, I lost my brother-in-law to suicide, and my my son's best friend, and that was more having, even more so, being concerned with my children's grief, and my grandparents and my mother-in-law, and two of my close friends to cancer. And one of the things that has been so helpful for me in those times of grief and sorrow is is having some very good Christian friends who came alongside and cried with me and grieved with me. There's something comforting about that because I think it shows somebody's love for you in as you grieve. 
Yeah, I was thinking about in in Job, his friends, the best thing they did was come and sit with him in silence for a week. Yes, that. (laughs) That right there. That was, that showed an appreciation for his grief, for his, for the weight of what he had lost. And I know we've talked before, but so often when when somebody is suffering, when they're grieving, we feel this need to say something that's going to make it better. And, you know, we mean well when we do that. But sometimes what you need to do is just sit with someone, pray, hug them, cry with them. That, that I think, is far more fruitful than um, some of the, sometimes those things, that, those words that we try to come up with aren't always helpful. So we're, we want to talk about dealing with the loss of a loved one. I, I will tell you in my own life, it, for me, it has been a far different experience losing someone that's in the Lord than losing someone that isn't. For me, even though it's a deep grief, when I lost two of my close friends to cancer, a very deep grief, it was also accompanied with hope that I would see them again. But I've, I've lost a couple of people that did not know the Lord, and that was just a far more hopeless grief, just in all honesty. And I'm sure those people that have lost somebody that didn't know the Lord know what I'm talking about. It, it's very difficult. Yeah. Uh, I've lost, besides um, the stillbirth with our daughter, you know, I've lost other family member who were, members who were close saw my grandparents I was very close with them and um, my aunt uh, died when my oldest was about six months old very suddenly of cancer and um, I mean that was probably the closest thing at the time to like losing your own mother right because it's she's my mom's sister she's another mother in my life like that and um, the grief with that was was very different from you know the you know losing a because I grew up in church there were lots of funerals and you know it's always it's not always as closely connected right but there is absolutely a comfort and a blessing when you lose a loved one who is a believer because you know uh, we have that hope we know that this isn't the end um, and another close relative who was killed when I was in college and we're not sure where his faith was and we hope hope for the best right hope that he really was a believer but it's hard to know and it was the grieving through for him was much different because of that that lack of uh, assurance of where of what he believed in and that's a good point sometimes we don't know and I know what you mean about when you lose an aunt because it is it is kind of a another sort of mom figure in your life. Um, I, my mom's sister died suddenly when I was 14, one of her sisters. And one of the things that was so hard for me at that age, a 14-year-old, is could my mom die too? I, I missed my aunt, and then I feared something could happen to my mom. And then when I was in college, but she was a Christian, and we, we had that hope. When I was in college, my dad's sister died, and... That one was one of the hardest deaths for me. She was she was Jewish, but uh, I went to our family's house um, for the week for the sitting shiva week, and one of the things that we did was go through a little bit of her stuff. And 
I was sitting by the stereo one day and I saw these cassettes and I was just tinkering around. And I pull out these cassettes and they're all from a Protestant church. And one, one, you could tell that they'd been listened to. If, for those that um, maybe don't remember cassettes, you could kind of see when, they, when someone had listened to them. And all of them had been listened You could see that they'd been listened to. And there was one even in the, in the cassette deck. And I said to my cousin, who's a, a Jew, I said, what are these? These are from a Christian church. And he said, oh, yeah, her chiropractor, he was a Christian. And every single week she'd go in and he would give her another tape and she would listen every single week. And so it, it did give me a little of hope that she had heard the gospel. And um, but again, I, I don't know. There's a passage in 1 Thessalonians, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. So there, there is a certain hope, especially, well, there's a certain hope because we are Christians and we can trust the Lord and we know he's sovereign, but there's also a hope when we know that somebody... Uh, believed believed the gospel and there's definite uh, comfort in that we want to talk about comfort in your grief because whatever you are going through obviously the loss of a loved one well actually I want to say one thing about the loss of a loved one even when you go th- through that initial period of grief and it it's it's very difficult you know when when I've lost like my father one of the things that I went through was, you know, it's time for life to go back to normal because my dad was in the hospital and he died. And then all the family came and we had the funeral and the family stayed for a little longer. And then came the place where my mom said, you know, I think we need to clean dad's stuff out of the closet. And and then you kind of go through all of those things. If you've lost a family member, you know what I'm talking about. And there's still things. We haven't cleaned out his desk yet. <laughs> um you know, you do you do a little bit here and a little bit there. And then there's that time where it's time to get back to normal. And I mean, for me, I almost felt guilty. Wait, it, it can't be normal because dad's not here, you know. And so if you lo- lose somebody, especially, I think, with the loss of someone to, de- to death and close to you, there's a roller coaster of emotions. Um, you go through crying and then you have a moment where things feel normal again, and then all of a sudden, you're breaking down crying again. And so, if, if you lose someone, or if you're going to lose someone, know that there is a lot of up and down, and the up and down get less up and down. But even long after, uh, I lost a, a really close friend in 2012, and I'll have moments where I just really miss her. And moments of grief again. It and I would say the same that when um, when I've gone through grieving, especially like after our daughter was born, and and then again when my aunt died, uh, you're going through times, and you and initially everything feels sad, and and you have long periods of sadness, and then you start having these longer and longer moments of, of almost normal and you laugh for the first time and and you then you feel guilty because you're like oh, I can't can I be happy yet you know and uh, it's just it's just part of it 
and you know longer time will go and then you'll be like oh no I, I didn't even think about it for a while and just you know you feel guilty about that too but it's perfectly normal and it's all part of uh, the adjustment after you lose someone um, and the grief is sharp at first and I would say some some things that are some losses you you always grieve to some extent and I would say that the grief becomes softer not as sharp but it shows up and it'll show up especially on holidays or anniversaries or important days or things um, when you notice it particularly one of the things I wanted to mention too is that we all grieve differently and there's not a right or wrong way and I've seen this before, more just people will make judgments. You know, how is a how is a mom who lost a child behaving that way or things like that. And just y- grieving is very personal to us. We, we grieve together with people, but we also grieve very, very personally and with God, we, you know, in our in our prayers. And there's not there's not a right or wrong way to grieve. It's it's different. Um, I do think. You do have to be careful of the tendency that some people maybe tend towards not letting themselves grieve. And I think it is important to grieve. Um, and one other thing I wanted to say in regards to the loss of somebody, it's very different if you've had somebody in your life that has a long illness and you know that they're dying, you do a lot of your grieving before they die. And that's that's very different than when you lose a family member suddenly in a car accident or even suddenly from illness, much before you expected them to die. Uh, when I lost my uncle, I, that was, I was uh, 16, and, you know, I, I did a lot of crying, you know, just while he was sick, knowing he was dying, and it was very long and, and drawn out. And so that was very different than than losing somebody very suddenly. Uh, even though, even though, like, my mother-in-law uh, died from cancer, she, they found the cancer um, on a Thursday. She was gone four weeks later. So it was very quick. We, we didn't really have time to grieve before she died because all of our time was caring for her. And even uh, my mother-in-law, when my father-in-law died, um, she w- really went through a lot of different emotions because she'd been taking care of him for so long and when he died she's she kind of breathed a sigh of relief like we're done he's not suffering anymore and and that can happen too but then and we had so many laughs and stories for those two weeks after he died but she really struggled with life getting back to normal because her whole life had been caring for him and so the situations can affect the way you grieve too yeah, and I've heard that from um, from others too, where, where there's a long illness, and you know, even though you're sad and you you grieve and you, you you don't wish that they were gone, there is a relief, and even that relief can be you know you can feel guilty over, right? Like, oh, why do I feel relieved that the, you know, et cetera? But I think it's also a normal, proper response to you know, they were in suffering and it was hard and painful and we can be relieved that that's over while we still miss them and wish that they were here. Um, but yes, everyone has a different set of circumstances that led them into this loss and the, so the grief is going to be different from person to person and situation to situation. Yeah, I think that's that's really important. But we want to we talk about 
comfort in in suffering because we as Christians, you know, as we already said, we don't we don't mourn as those that don't have hope. We we mourn as those that do have hope. And there are so many psalms that, and we're going to talk about the psalms of lament in just a little bit, but I'll read one verse. Uh, Psalm thirty four eighteen: the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that has been such a huge comfort to me, knowing that the Lord is near, near to me in my grief, that He brings me comfort. Um, one of my favorite passages is in 2 Corinthians 1. Um, and it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. And if you, as you continue to read that passage, comfort shows up again several times in those verses. So that we, we receive comfort from God. And the purpose of our comfort then is that we can comfort others as they go through similar circumstances. And as we talked about in our, our episode on empathy, you know, that's, that's the purpose of it, that we comfort each other because we have been comforted in Christ. You know, I, I've seen that so much. I know we talked about this on our um, pregnancy and infant loss episode. And uh, in the pregnancy and infant loss, that one of the things that was that brought comfort to both of us was people that had been through it that came alongside us. You knew that they understood something that maybe others didn't understand and, and could offer a certain sort of encouragement. And even uh, when my dad died, the same thing happened where I had friends that would message me this, you know, had lost their fathers, knew a little bit what it was like to to lose a parent or or their mothers. And um, I, that plays out just so beautifully, I think, even in the church, because we have people who've been through different specific sorrows and grief. Uh, that, that shared sorrow is a great comfort. A book that Rachel and I love very much is Christina Fox's book, um, A Heart Set Free, Journey to Hope Through the Psalms of Lament. And, you know, when we talk about it's okay to grieve, it's okay to lament, I, I think the Psalms have been so often through suffering, through grief, through difficult times is what has brought me such comfort. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the theme of her book for those who haven't read it. It's one of the things that um, we talked earlier about as a culture that we, we, we don't want to grieve, we don't want to um, show emotion, we, don't want to, we want to be stoic. Um, and the problem with that, and you see it even in um, our worship services, that you know, we want the happy, upbeat songs, and we want the happy, upbeat passages, and we don't want to think about the grief and the suffering. Then um, I say that as a culture, not as a particular church. Um, but we have lost our understanding of the purpose of lament, and that's one of the things that Christina talks about in her book so, so well, is that lament has a purpose for us. And she talks about how when things are bad in our lives, when things are difficult, when we have something going on 
um, that really stresses out, what do we turn to? We turn to Google searches or we turn to, um, you know, social media or a friend or someone. And it's not bad to look for help. But ultimately, when we're, when we're struggling, when we're suffering, we need to turn to God. And the songs of lament, the psalms of lament, teach us how to do that. We're going to link in the episode notes. Rachel did a wonderful review of Christina's book. And uh, so I recommend to review, but I also recommend buying the book because I'm t- even through what I've been through recently, through illness, through loss of different sorts, it, her book has been very helpful to me. Uh, she has a, a quote that says, In fact, the Psalms, especially the Psalms of Lament, give us a structure for how to express our feelings. They remind us what is true. They point us to God's love and faithfulness. They help us journey through the dark valleys until we can emerge on the other side and and bow in grateful worship. And that that was such a good summary. And you had that quote in your review of what we're talking about here. She gives uh, a pattern of lament. And what's, what's helpful about that is... Uh, most of the psalms uh, of lament follow the same pattern. Um, there is one exception that I'll talk about, but uh, there's a, a general three-part structure. There's crying out to God, there's asking for help, and then responding in trust and praise. And you can read many of the psalms and, and watch this pattern, and you see that the psalmist cries out to God and and tells him what he's feeling, what's going on, what danger he's in, what struggles he's facing, how he's feeling, um, you know, even, you know, how long, O oh Lord, right? And where are you, Lord, in helping? Why won't you come and act, right? So though there is, you know, deep grief in these Psalms and asking God specifically to help in whatever you're facing and whatever's going on, you see it again in the Psalms. And then almost all of them end with a response of, even though things are still not solved yet, right? I will trust that God is faithful, and I will praise Him for His faithfulness because I know that He will be with me, even if my circumstances don't change. And the one psalm that's different is Psalm 88, which ends in uh, still in the crying out part and asking for help. It doesn't resolve, which is, is kind of a, a fascinating psalm to read. Um, and this is where, when people don't feel comfortable or don't know how to express their own grief or their lament, go to the Psalms. They're there. They're there for us. Uh, And we can see that God is not afraid of our emotions or afraid of hearing from us in our distress. He wants to hear from us. He asks us to come to Him. And we can go to Him honestly and tell Him up front how we're feeling and what's going on and why we're afraid and why we're, we're grieving. And then we can also remember, and I love the Psalms that go through and recount the ways that God has answered prayer in the past. Uh, Christina's book teaches not just how to look at the Psalms, but then how to write your own laments uh, and following these patterns. And I think it can be very helpful to look back over your life and see, when I was in trouble in this, this situation, God was with me and He helped me through in this way. And God did this for me, and He has done this for my family, and He has been with me through these things. And just like He has been with me through these things, He's not going to leave me now. 
I will say that is so, so helpful when you're going through whatever. Maybe, maybe you lost your job or your husband's lost his job and you're scared. These, these psalms can be so helpful. I wanted to read um, part of one just to give an example of what Rachel is talking about. And uh, this is from Psalm 42, and it says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? But then it ends with hope in God, for I shall yet praise him to help of my countenance, my God. There is a a beautiful album of psalms uh, set to music by Sandra McCracken. And she will we'll put link this in the notes. She has one for Psalm 42. And it, it's, it is beautiful. And the crying out in it is just, um, it's so helpful to pray through and to sing and to pray. And the psalms were meant to be sung their songs so uh, you know Colleen and I both would have recommendations of, of uh, psalms set to music that are great to listen to but I highly recommend this one the RPCNA now has all of um, their uh, CDs with psalms at, that's on Spotify and I think they're on Amazon Music and all those different maybe Pandora too and so you can find almost if you're not sure if you're there's a psalm you really like and you would like to learn it set to music you can probably find that someone's done it and probably find it in the rpcna uh, list and i i have a a family member that went through just a really awful horrible loss and you know that sometimes when you're going through a horrible loss you wake up in the middle of the night and it's right there and it's hard to go back to sleep so he would sleep with his bible next to him and he had bookmarks in several psalms of lament and he would wake up in the night and he would pray those psalms of lament and that would that would help him to kind of calm down and be able to to go back to sleep that i just think that there's the psalms are so useful during any sort of suffering definitely during grief one of the things that i really appreciated about what christina said besides teaching us the need for lament and not just distraction and avoiding our, our emotions. Um, she also talks about how even though we do go through these lament, even though we learn to lament and we go grow closer to God through it, it doesn't mean that that we will take that it will take away all our problems it doesn't mean that we will wake up one day and we'll now we're fine and we're not grieving anymore you know we may still have difficulties we may still have difficult times and difficult situations and we may have grief in our life um, but we have joy in our relationship with God um, and that's not a, an emotion that's not a I feel happy today but we have a peace with him and we have a comfort in knowing that he is with us. And I, I appreciate that, that she was not giving these to us as like a 12-step a program that by the end, you know, we'll be all better. Um, but I have to admit that, that working through 
and really reading through the Psalms of Lament and learning to lament. And it's easy to forget and need to go back and revisit it It, it when times get hard. Um, has been a blessing to me, uh, and I appreciate her book for it. So one of the verses that's really meant a lot to me, and I think it, it directly speaks to what Rachel's talking about here, is Second um, Corinthians one eight, And it says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, and some some versions say we despaired to the point of death. So where death, when you despair to the point of death, death seems like a greater option than continuing in your despair. This happened so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And I think for me, I have seen that that those psalms of lament and turning to the Lord, expressing my emotions, it is okay to say, Lord, I am, I am struggling. I am I am filled with deep sorrow, and I don't know why all these things are happening, but I will trust in you because I recall all of the ways that you have been faithful to me. And so I, I think that that exercise for me has helped me to do the very thing in this Second Corinthians passage, to learn to rely more on the Lord than on myself. We want to talk a little bit about, we talked a little bit earlier about 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 helping others that are suffering, bringing comfort to others that are suffering. I I know sometimes when I've had close friends really suffering, and I I empathize so deeply with them, and I I feel pain for them and what they're going through, and I sometimes don't know what to do or what to say. I wish I had something greater to offer them than I do. But as we talked about earlier, one of the things is is weeping with those who weep, you know, having sorrow with them and loving them. I think that's one of the greatest things that we can do. You know, one of the verses from the um, Beatitudes is, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And, you know, as we are told to weep with those who weep, as we are told that there is a time for mourning and time for weeping, um, we are told, too, that as we mourn, we will be comforted. And of course, ultimately, that comfort is from the gospel, that comfort is from Christ, and the peace that we have with Him. And in knowing that there is coming a judgment against all that is wrong and awful and terrible in the world, there is coming an end to pain and death and separation and uh, illness and uh, sin and misery. And you know, one of the things I love, you know, another favorite passage of mine is from Revelation 21, and one of the things I love about it is in the description of heaven, it's what won't be there, right? It's hard for us to wrap our minds around what will be there, but the description of what won't be there um, is uh, useful, right? Like I, can, I can't understand how it works, but I can appreciate the description, and it says, that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, our eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And all I can say to that is come quickly, Lord Jesus. I know we talked about this uh, when we've talked about suffering before, when we've talked about how to comfort someone that's lost a child or been through miscarriage, but I think 
It is very helpful. I can tell you very personally. It's very, very helpful even to help people in a practical level because especially somebody that has children and and things like that, but really anyone, because even when you're grieving, you still need to eat. You know, the house still needs to be cleaned, things like this. And those practical um, acts of helping somebody really are so helpful. You know, after my dad died, people making food and bringing meals, it was one less thing that we had to worry about. So I think that can be so helpful if you have someone in your church, someone someone close to you. When my uh, best friend uh, had a baby that that died shortly after birth, I couldn't, she's in Chicago, I couldn't really bring her a meal, but I sent her a gift card to um, like Uber Eats or Grubhub or one of those, just so that they could have, she has uh, nine kids, so just so they could have one meal, they didn't have to worry about um, cooking up that meal while they were in the midst of this grieving and sorrow. That's uh, very helpful. Um, dear friends of ours, uh, church that we were in many years ago, um, had her baby was born and her brother died very quickly, and she had to very soon after, and she had to fly with the baby and newborn uh, and her family and leave everything. So we we did. We went and cleaned her house, the ladies in the church, and we got things set up at home for her to bring the baby home. And just there are practical things that you can do. Uh, ways that minister to each other because, you know, while we're talking a lot here about our spiritual needs and they're extremely important, um, we have real physical needs that need to be met and emotional needs that need to be met. So be the shoulder that someone can cry on, um, bring a meal, um, clean someone's house, do something that you can that's practical or you can, um, not everyone's able, um, but do what you can to help each other because that's what we are. We're brothers and sisters. And this is how what family does. You know, something I didn't say earlier, but came to me as you were talking, Rachel, is there is an appropriate type of self-care, too. And I think sometimes when you're going through sorrow, when you're going through grief, it can be very easy to not care for yourself. Um, You know, after my dad died, I was asking my mom, Mom, did you eat? Because sometimes um, my my personality actually tends towards um, when other things are going on, forgetting to eat. And I know my mom does the same thing. So I need to say, make sure that I was eating and not forgetting to make sure I was eating. And the same thing with my mom is making sure she was taking care of herself because it's, it doesn't help if you're already grieving and then you make yourself sick because you're not caring for yourself. I know sometimes self-care is talked about in Christian circles as only a negative thing, but it is actually often a wise thing to make sure that we're caring appropriately for ourselves in the midst of suffering, in the midst of grieving, and finding ways that you can even help somebody else that's grieving to make sure that they're taking care of themselves. It's jokingly been said, you know, never understand, underestimate the, the, uh, the power of a nap and a snack, right? that when Elijah was so overwhelmed by, and he was under great attack, the, the prophets, right, the, with the prop, having faced the prophets at Baal, and people wanted him dead. And, you know, God takes him and feeds him and gives him rest for a time before he goes back out again. And you can see that, that God is caring for his needs, and that is a physical needs that are important, not just our spiritual needs. And 
I think it's important that we remember that being aware of our physical needs is not being selfish. It's being um, taking care of the resources that God's given us. Yeah, when after my dad died and all the family came in town and uh, we had the viewing and well, we didn't have the viewing. We had something similar to it. Um, and and then we had the funeral. It was a couple of days of just nonstop. And after the funeral, we had a graveside service and the funeral. And I was just exhausted and not sleeping very well. And everybody came back to the house. And I visited for an hour. And then I told my husband, I said, I have to lay down and take a nap. I I just, I wasn't going to be good to anybody. I definitely wasn't going to be good to myself if I, you know, didn't take some time to rest. And it's easy to forget to do those necessary things when you're so overwhelmed with sorrow and you're surrounded by others that are overwhelmed with sorrow too. So um, I know this is a heavy episode. And, you know, one thing I'm thinking about as we're talking through this whole episode is that there will always be grief on on this side of eternity, you know, that our hope is that one day there will no longer be grief, but there's different things in life because sin brings us grief and loss of any sort of kind brings us grief. I'm about to cross into a, another season of life where my youngest is going to be turning 18 and, and soon we're gonna, it's just going to be my husband and me and my mom living in the house. And, and that's a loss, too. It's, it's, um, there's, I'm excited for the next season of life, but it's a, a change. It's a, it's a very um, obvious change. And, you know, so we have so many things in this life that can bring us grief. But we do have the hope that one day our tears will be wiped away and... We will not have sorrow any longer. A quick reminder that if there are any topics you would like to have us address, feel free to message one of us or send an email at theologycows at gmail.com. We will definitely take those into consideration. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week.